0: Hello and welcome to Golden Grenades, a podcast about birds with stories from those who worship them, all set against the heartwarming backdrop of the end of the world. My name is Kit, aka That Doofus Yolo birder off Twitter, and each week a special guest joins me to talk about their five favourite birds. This week my Armageddon Amigo is Will Rose. Will is a designer, animator and most importantly a wildlife fan, currently delighting children and discerning adults alike with his work on the triple BAFTA award-winning Hey Dougie. His CV includes working on Peppa Pig and Yoga with Adrian and animating the great Sir David Attenborough himself. He also directs and makes his own short films such as Duck, the award-winning Eagle Blue and The Goat Herder and his Lots and Lots and Lots of Goats. Will also recently created the animated sequences for Luke Massey and Katie Stacey's film The Last Song of the Nightingale that featured at last year's virtual bird fair. I first met Will when we camped overnight when visiting Springwatch to promote the 99 Birds art book project that we collaborated on a few years ago. Will! Hello, my friend, how are you?
1: I'm not too bad. It uh, feels a long time since we. Uh... Shared that romantic breakfast together after a a night under the stars.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, hopefully, you know, with lockdowns easing later this year and getting a little bit of normality back, we might get to meet at Bird Fair this year even or, I don't know, some other birdie type event. That would be great. You
1: never know. You never know.
0: One of the good things about lockdown, I suppose, is that it's made people do a lot of unusual things, things they wouldn't normally do and making a podcast was mine and some people may know by now that you really helped me a lot with this podcast and getting it off the ground by doing the awesome peregrine claws artwork and by creating all the music and the bells and whistles and that completely elevates it above me just blethering into a microphone so thanks so much for all of that and it really is good to have friends in high places
1: Well, it was an absolute pleasure. I mean, you're always coming up with such great ideas and thinking of uh, Red 67 lately, which I I believe is up for a few awards. You know, you you come up with some great stuff. So it's a a pleasure to help you out with this and to do some silly stuff is right up my street. So not a problem.
0: Well, there's definitely been some silliness in the episodes recorded so far. Um, Thinking of your work, I was wondering about how recently you've focused heavily on nature, but I wondered were you ever tempted to try and slip any birds into hay Duggy or Pepper Pig? Mavis Muscovy Duck was criminally overlooked, I feel at the Pepper Pig Planning stage. Or Colin Coot, who freaked the other kids out with his monkey feet. Or how about Wally the white-tailed eagle, who was a bit too keen on Susie Sheep? Maybe that plays too much on outdated stereotypes, though.
1: Unfortunately, I'm not the director on the show. I've worked as an animator, and I'm currently a designer on the show, which gives me a little bit more licence to maybe conjure up a few things based on the script. But, um, yes, it's very tightly uh, marshalled, I'm afraid. But, I mean, Colin Coote would be fantastic. (laughs) Um, there was an episode uh, featuring an all-bird-based group called Hot Cheap, which was a bit of a hit. I uh, wish I'd come up with that one. Uh, I do believe Hot Chip did uh, retweet, which is which is always nice. Oh, really? Brilliant. Um, really? But, yeah, I, unfortunately, you don't have the control. Although I, have, I certainly do have a few ideas for episodes up my sleeve, but um, I keep them under wraps in case anyone, anyone nicks them.
0: Well, hey, Doug, he's absolutely brilliant. Um, so I'll definitely look out for those new episodes coming out. You have managed to cram plenty of wildlife and birds into the work you create yourself, though, haven't you?
1: Yeah, I've tra- I have I started off, obviously, just working on a various TV shows. A bit like yourself, I got into birds as a kid. I was lucky to have mum and dad. Mum was, well, a bit of an expert on plants, really, and my dad was the bird spotter. So wherever we went, you know, we'd be looking at either the birds or the ground, you know, or whatever. Um, when I hit my sort of uni days and... Uh, when uh, beer and music sort of became the forefront of things, I sort of put it to the back a bit. I think, yeah, it's, it's something I didn't choose to use within my work, but yeah, starting to to do that much more now. I don't know you talked about this yourself
0: um yeah i think it's come up in one or two of the episodes that we've we've talked about about how you know when you're younger and you have that enthusiasm and you love birds and but then life gets in the way and there's other distractions and and certainly like you say university and going to clubs and gigs and and whatever yeah all that becomes so much more important and, and then accidentally When starting to get out and about a bit more and going on walks and going, I used to know what that was and what's that? What's that call again? And you know, yeah. Can you remember a
1: particular moment that you know triggered you back in? I can think of a couple, but
0: yeah, for me, it was the call of a bullfinch. It was. It was just because I. It was a call that I used to know, but then I had totally forgotten about after not doing anything to do with or not paying any attention to birds for about ten years, and then I just heard this little, very subtle understated call in a bush and i'm like what's that i used to know what that was and then i yeah, had, to, yeah. had to dig had to sort of like make a point of seeing it to to prove it to myself so yeah actually i hadn't i hadn't remembered that until you'd said but yeah it was a bullfinch that was my yeah. uh, trigger bird
1: yeah, it's, it's interesting. Isn't it? It's like lost skills coming back, like uh, Indiana Jones remembering uh, he had been here before and he had seen where this ancient tribe lived. And he suddenly <laughs> knows the map or something like that. But uh, yeah, I mean, a couple of times like going off around Croatia or something with a few mates and camping and then looking above and those golden orioles zooming about above obviously must have been nesting. And we, I remember thinking, blindly, yeah, they, they're, they're like the top, you know. If you're seeing that just while casually having a beer under a tree yeah and also remember doing the west coast of the highway one in america and suddenly seeing the sign that california condors might be about and almost i think i was a bit hungover, but i almost drove off the, the cliff because i saw one you know and it was like oh you know it's all still there locked in there eventually i um when I started to want to make my own shorts, it all kind of came together. Where also my love of music, I wanted to combine it all. So I'd, I would cheekily ask a few cool bands. Like there was a band called Vetiver that was in the the goats one, and Julia Holter was for Eagle Blue. I was, you know, I'd write them a cheeky email say, "Can I use this?" For uh, I'm just a small little filmmaker, but you know, they were very gracious and let me use it. But yeah, I tried to introduce them. Eagle Blue obviously got an eagle in it. From then, I just wanted to make slightly more bird-based stuff. So I, I did an animated, almost like in Kajota's Notes, on. I did a Red Star and a Firecrest So I was living in Tooting at the time and also going to Thursley Common and I saw the Red Star. And then I'd sent that to Springwatch a few times and they were liking that kind of thing. And then I was like, oh, I've got to do more of this. So it started out with a sort of more designy, uh, quirky looking birds and then I've become more interested again. My my parents are excellent illustrators and they worked for um, RSPB back in the day just for a, a period. They did some of their, you know, cards. Mum did the, the olive branch. My dad would do the Sardinian warbler, things like that. It was, um, they were really good. I'll never be as good as they were but um, I wanted to get back to a slightly more realistic anyway and and then believe uh, a yeah, previous guest, Laura, saw a bit of that and then got me in to do the David Attenborough app, which was talk about a dream come true. Next minute we're on the BBC Breakfast and uh, there's me uh, <laughs> bricking it on, t- on live TV, trying to get my words out. And Laura thinking, what's he going to say next? And uh, yeah, it was good fun. But yes, trying to just trying to get it all, all meeting in one place, really.
0: Oh, yeah, man, that's an absolutely fantastic experience. I must ask you about one of your other projects though, one that I particularly love, that other people may not have come across. Tell us about Duck.
1: Oh yeah, so I, I've been getting more into the, uh, you know, a bit more factual, realistic stuff to do with wildlife, but I've still got a lot of silliness me. and uh, Duck was just a little thing. Again, I make the music for it and it's just about a little duck who's in constant peril. And the whole thing was that basically, he ducks to get out of the way of everything. And it's almost like a little game, but uh, yeah, I've been putting those on my Instagram, and um, it's a—it's it's got a cliffhanger like all your best box sets. It's a—it's <laughs> got a little cliffhanger at the end, and it's very silly. It's just forty seconds or so, and it's yeah, it's good for the good for the kids. I've got a few um, fans out there waiting for the next one. My family, nephews and nieces, <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's good fun. I mean, you've seen it; it's just very silly. I love it it, it reminds me of, of like an old Harold Lloyd
0: type scenario you know very innocent peril but like you know it's sort of one thing after
1: another but yeah it reminds me of that sort of Saturday afternoon kind of madcap yeah he doesn't have a lot of luck that's that's the gist of it all it's like it's almost like Mr Magoo walking into all sorts of trouble and, yeah um, that sort of thing yeah, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, as I mentioned earlier we've not managed our now annual customary get together for a little while now because of lockdowns and one thing in another, but you still managed to be part of the virtual bird fair last year. Tell us about that.
1: Well, the big thing at the time was Katie and Luke were releasing the Nightingales film. So keen to promote that. They they'd had a lovely uh, event planned to launch the film, but obviously that wasn't going to happen. So they did some great work to get it launched at bird fair. So that was, that was excellent. And it meant that everyone got to see it sort of the time it was made as nice and fresh. And then I also did uh, via Katie, worked with Leica to do a little animated Leica stand. So uh, obviously that wasn't happening. So yeah, I just did uh, a little view out of their from their normal viewpoint, and had uh, kingfisher, egret, and um, osprey, of course. But that was really nice to do. Yeah, it was it, it was really fun to sort of help make that event happen, which I thought was a, a real success at the time.
0: Yeah, the last song, the Nightingale, is a fantastic film that Luke and Katie made. And your animated sequences in that film are absolutely brilliant. So if anybody hasn't seen it, it is online. So check it out. It's called The Last Song of the Nightingale. Nightingales are wonderful birds, but we're not here to talk about nightingales today. You've chosen your five favourite birds to survive the apocalypse with, and your first is an absolute belter. It's also the bird you chose to illustrate for the aforementioned 99 Birds project. So tell us about bird number
1: one. Bird number one. One. So yes, bird number one is the hobby, an absolute cracker, very good looking, absolute feast for the eyes. And one of the fastest things you'll see Uh, zooming across the sky and something I always look forward to seeing every uh, spring. And yeah, this year I was encouraged me to have it as one of my choices was uh, uh, I live in South London but a pair chose to nest in my local wood and basically my lockdown was watching these wonderful birds rear a couple of young and it, it blew me away and there's such special birds.
0: They're amazing amazing birds and and not too dissimilar in looks to my favourite the peregrine that is what gives this podcast its name but I'm I'm particularly jealous about this whole watching them rearing a brood of young thing you know it's just gratuitous showing off here because I, I never see hobbies up in the northeast you know and you've you've had a family on your doorstep that you've been able to watch growing up I'm, I'm so gel
1: <laughs> well I'm originally from Bedfordshire so like it's not like a hobby wouldn't turn up to the many a, a reservoir around there but in South London it's the rarity to see something even just one zoom over Yeah, I was just in my wood, which is a lovely area of the Great North Woods. It's called Ancient Woodland in South London. I was walking within the wood and then looked up, Holby on an exposed branch, couldn't believe my luck. It's uh, sort of early April. I thought, blimey, this is amazing. And then... It was there again, and then then there was a pair sitting there. And I'm not a proper photographer, but uh, I was able to take my camera with a half decent zoom and got some rubbish shots. You know, like we all try, <laughs> even though it was sat there, bold as brass. But yeah, I watched it, I, and we all know that they're capable of catching swifts and dragonflies. But I actually saw it bring in a swift and pluck it, and that just blew my mind. I mean. Oh. It's when you read facts about birds, but then when, yeah, you you see it, an adult and all its uh, glory. And uh, I just sat there and what, I just saw these feathers falling down. And then gradually I, I didn't want to uh, obviously disturb them. So I kept my distance. And then uh, suddenly there was an immature bird sitting squawking away. I mean, they're so I was kind of glad that London's full of parakeets now because they're so shrill and, and horrible. <laughs> yeah, the sound of them is quite uh, basically covered up the sound of these shrieking young hobbies. So I was glad that it seemed to be. I was the only one that seemed to know these birds were nesting, and it was, it was so special to see them I've sat there and feathers falling down on my head. And it's uh, it's a hobby up there, plucking a, a bird for its young. It's it's it's, it's great. Oh, that's
0: incredible. I mean, I you know, I like I've only read about them taking Swifts and bats and you know, but to actually witness that first hand is pretty special. And and like you say, they're they're pretty snappy looking birds, aren't they? They've got the whole mustachio thing going on and they've got the red trousers and they're like
1: red trousers, yeah. They're, yeah, they're very pretty and uh just to watch them hunting and uh especially dragonflies and yeah they're top t- top top bird for me and uh yeah gotta be up there with one of my favorites um yeah similar to your peregrine but you know well, I mean, we'll... i'd like to know who who's fastest in a straight line not a stoop but like who, who, yeah, that'd yeah, be I, interesting I, to know
0: i don't have those sorts of Facts, but but yeah, maybe you've got a point. We'll have to see if you pitch hobby against the peregrine at the end of the show. So one one interesting fact that you that you might not know that I that I did read while I was researching for this is that one old fashioned name for the hobby is the robin, which oh. is a bit odd and makes it sound like a a mardy spade percher that's intolerant of foreigners, um, which is a bit <laughs> unfortunate. But I digress. Anyway, moving swiftly on, no pun intended. Tell us which
1: is your bird number two and why. Bird number two. 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 Bird number two is the golden oriole. Another very good looking bird. Uh, as a designer, it seems quite evident that I'm going to pick good looking uh, species. Obviously, very hard to see these birds even though they're absolutely stonking and uh, look like, I'd call them almost the birds of paradise of Europe. You know, they're incredible looking bird. One you dream to see when you go in your holes, basically, isn't it? It's one of those gems. Yeah, but also was, you know, for a while at Lake and Heath, which isn't far from where I grew up. And... I went when they were still there and did did hear them, but didn't see them there. But yes, I've had some great sightings in southern Spain recently. Just incredible looking birds. And just if you see it at all, you're very lucky. So, um, yeah, it's, it's one of them, isn't it? My love of golden orioles also led me to illustrate the bird for the Wonderful Red Sixty Seven book curated by someone I know, and um, <laughs> yeah. that was an absolute pleasure too. And and to illustrate such a, a stunning bird.
0: And thanks so much for that. It is it's one of my favourite illustrations in the book. It, it really stands out, not just because it's a stunning bird, but because it's a, a beautiful illustration, and it's in your unique style, which is is unusual in wildlife art to have such a cartoony sort of almost comical style to it without it actually being comical if that makes sense it's just you know
1: yeah I try and sort of it's a blend somewhere in there I, I was always going to pick something colorful that's for sure
0: yeah and there wasn't many colorful birds on the list so you managed to to get the most colorful of all they're a fantastic bird and I know exactly what you mean about that page in your bird book when you're a kid you know with the beaders and the rollers and the hoopos and all of all of those wall creepers you know those fantasy birds that you dream of as a kid and funnily enough i i did go to lake and heath as well many years ago probably back in 2007 or 2008 with the intention of trying to see one there wasn't many left at that point and i think it was maybe only within a year or two that they just weren't there at all but i did hear them uh, and they've got that incredible song that almost seems to reverberate around and it sounds quite otherworldly and it's that yeah, yeah,
1: yeah thing about it's, it's one of those. Yeah. Once you know that, uh, I, I'll try and like. It's it's a, it's a little bit like. It does a little sort of. Yeah. It's kind of, but more like it sounds yeah. tropical, doesn't it? It's, it's like um, really tropical. It sounds like an Australian kind of like you hear in the background when you when you're watching Neighbours back in the day that there was like some weird. But it's got that kind of quality to it, hasn't it? I think it was when, when I was a kid, I was very lucky that my mum and dad were uh, into wildlife. That's where it all comes from. And um, yes, just as a little lad, being in Corfu, I remember hearing uh, the particular cat-like screech that they do as well and just and seeing a flash. I mean, I, many people can count. It's a bit like seeing a kingfisher or something, something that good. You don't often see it for very long. I can count on my hand and the amount of times I've had it for more than a few seconds. Last couple of years, I've stayed somewhere in southern Spain, which obviously seems to be a bit of a hangout for them. Having only seen sort of uh, glimpses before, I I was seeing them in May when they were obviously looking after young. But uh, I was staying in this cabin, which actually had a bit of an outdoor shower. Let's hope this is not too risque, but... (laughs) But I, I, you know, I was seeing them while I was having a shower, zooming over, and it's like this is this is paradise, you know. That's amazing. The best, one of the best birds ever, and I'm just having a shower. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Fantastic. Okay, so moving swiftly on from thinking of you in the shower, let's talk about your third bird choice, and you've you've picked another hard to see species. Well, it certainly is for me, but not so much for you apparently.
1: Bird number three, three. Yeah, number three is the firecrest. This is another bird that I hadn't... Well, like you say, it's hard to see and it's often a goldcrest, but something to do with being in South London and being... Often if I go out into the wilds a little bit, that's going into Surrey where you do find quite a few firecrests. And it was one, I was on a holiday in Portugal, one of them times when you, you hear a call you're not familiar with. And I remember hearing it, I was hearing it a lot and it drove me mad. And I came home and looked... Looked it up. Thought, oh, all that time. So Firecrest. So I sort of had this. I'm not too bad with my calls. So um, I sort of logged that in the in the data banks. And then uh, I used to live. Moved a little bit. Further away now, but I used to live right near Tooting Common, and yeah, I found each winter I seemed to be the guy that found the, the firecrest because I had this its called cool, logged in. Yeah, it's one of the first times I thought I'd make an animated version of my bird list, if you like. So I wrote down the date and I animated a little firecrest with the. I like the idea of doing something that's not yeah you know, an animated version, which isn't particularly true, more characterization of the bird, but then popping the uh, the real song on top. And then with a little bit of info about, um, you know, how I saw it, what date, Tooting Common, February 16th or whatever. But, yeah, it seemed to be, I was Firecrest boy for a while, which uh, wasn't too bad. And, you know, they're pretty, another good looker once you get it in the bins. I mean, um, a nice looking little bird. Well,
0: I'll have to take your word for that because... They're a bit of a bogey bird for me. You, again, up here in the Northeast, it's one of those species that we that we rarely get, but you occasionally get one on passage that might linger around for a few days. And I, I've staked out bushes in parks where firecrests are apparently, or a firecrest is apparently hanging around. And I've just looked suspicious and <laughs> increasingly frustrated and suspicious. But yeah, I, I, I've not had much luck with firecrests at all yeah, over, over no, the years.
1: I've got a bit of a sixth sense for them. I like I can go out and I'll fight if there's one about. I seem to be able to find them. I don't know what it is. It's a weird. It's a, maybe it's my only skill. Fire yeah. crest or like an it's, alarm.
0: It's it's a handy skill. I, I to my mind, the mythical creatures like unicorns or Joe Linton Premier League goals for Newcastle United. <laughs> I, I, I'm I'm not sure they exist, but I'll take your word for it. I did some reading about firecrests as well before today and I noticed that Aristotle or some other other ancient clever storyteller types used to tell of the legend of a contest amongst all of the birds to see who would be their king. The contest consisted of basically seeing which bird could fly the highest. And it appeared that Eagle had won easily until plucky firecrest popped out from under Eagle's tail feathers and flew even higher and was crowned the king of the birds. So there you go.
1: That's pretty cool. You've chosen the king of the birds, apparently. Well, king and the birds, it's funny, isn't it? Firecrest, it sounds so kind of grand, but it's like a little pipsqueak. It's funny,
0: really. Exactly. And from the kinglet family, I wonder if that's where the the king thing comes. I don't know. I'm I'm making that up. Um, Yeah. Who knows? Now, we have to get something out of the way straight away with your next choice. And it's to do with bird name pronunciations. Your fourth choice is...
1: Bird number four. (laughs) Yeah. My fourth choice is the Hoopoe. Now, some people don't pronounce it this way, but I always have. And so I think that's correct. How about you? I, I
0: also pronounce it Hoopoe, and uh, I know that it's probably incorrect. And <laughs> the, the correct pronunciation is, to me, the frankly ridiculous Hoopoe. And yes. I, I, I suspect you're like me, you're, you're self-taught as a as a a bird lover from bird books and things like that. Yeah. and well, how you I well read it. Yeah, you just read it how it is to you, you know, and mm.
1: it made no sense to me that a bird that stunning would rhyme with poo. No, true, true, <laughs> true, very true. I mean, that's, and it's the way it's spelt, surely, that's just, just generally, like, it's there's no double O in there. I'm presuming people got it from, well, it's to do with its call, perhaps, but, like, because it's that kind of hoop, 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 but it's not it's not written that way. So I've always said hoopoe. There's one in the field. Oh look, there's a hoopoe. So that's my vibe. So we we've, we've got that off our chest now, haven't we?
0: <laughs> I think so. But it, it, it's still a bone of contention with me because whenever I say it, you always get funny looks. And mm. there's lots of birds for me like this. You know, I I was only a few years ago corrected for the way I said serin, not serin. so now I've I've learned yep. that which. You know, it's not something that pops up in conversation very often. Jer Falcon's another one. I used to say Jaya Falcon when I was a kid.
1: Yeah, you definitely know. said Jaya. And but, That seems to change every week, that one.
0: It does, doesn't it? Gaia, hmm. Jaya. People people say all sorts, so I'm not so worried about that. But it, it, it is a, hmm. it's a tricky one, and it's a bit of a minefield for, for people first getting into burden the first time.
1: Of course, yeah. I mean, obviously, it's up to your own interpretation. Uh, this is just my own personal view. Yeah.
0: And I hardly agree. So uh, now we've got that off our chests, let's talk about Hoopos and and why they're your fourth favourite
1: bird. Okay, well, I mean, as I've mentioned before, I'm a designer and animator. This is obviously quite a humorous looking bird, a little punk rocker of the bird world. I mean, what else looks like that? You don't. I mean, it doesn't even look like a bird half the time. If you see it, like knocking around, it looks. It's just a bit of a bit of a nitwit, isn't it? I mean, it's um, uh, also, I mean, it's just a very cool bird. It's off that page of beautiful birds. As, as comical as it is, it's a, it's a good-looking bird with its kind of um, zebra-like uh, pattern. So, well, you know, black yeah. and white on its wings. Uh, when it flies, it looks like a butterfly, a huge butterfly. It's got its mad call, uh, its mad beak. It looks a bit deranged in <laughs> <and> its eyeballs. <laughs> I mean, there's something... That pretty wacky about them. I think I think they're pretty cool.
0: Yeah, no, you, I'm I'm a hoopoe lover as well, and and there's something about the design element of them that is just brilliant. Like you say, the colours, the crazy hairdo, and I think they've they've been entertaining people based on their looks for years. Apparently, the the Egyptians used them in hieroglyphics. So you, as a designer, obviously pick up on their their cartoonish features and the Egyptians did before you. So I
1: was gonna, if I was gonna draw a bird or animate a bird, it's pretty much gonna be hoopoe based because (laughs) it just looks so cool. Not much else looks like it. It's like it's it's a mashup, isn't it, of about ten different birds in one.
0: Definitely, I once went to uh, see one. There was one reported up the coast in in Northumberland, and I was on my way there. And as I was as I was approaching the beach where it was, I passed an, an older couple coming away they were just out on a walk they said oh sonny off to see this bird and I and I, and I said yeah yeah uh, have you seen it and they said yeah it looks like a flying tiger <laughs> <laughs> Which I thought it was brilliant you know just the colors and the stripes and one thing you haven't mentioned about hoopos I mean it, it looks wise pretty awesome birds anyway but mm-hmm. one of my favorite things about hoopos is their questionable personal hygiene routines Um, And the fact that female hoobos can discharge a stinking fluid that smells of rotting flesh to deter (laughs) predators from the nests, which... I I mean,
1: an an extra bonus feature,
0: you know. Yeah. I I mean, that's got to be a signature move for anybody, hasn't it? That's that's awesome. And that clearly influences the young birds in the nest who hose down intruders with their own liquid fecal emissions, which, you know, again, (laughs) it just elevates them above a lot of other birds if you can I mean, do that yeah,
1: talk about skills i mean they've got it coming out of everywhere haven't
0: they yeah i mean you know and in, in, in terms of uh, life goals you know firing fecal emissions is is got to be up there for most people i would have thought and then okay. i've got another fact for you about hoopos which I, I just read the hoopoe is and again it probably is to do with their looks but they're top of the stamp charts 43 countries have depicted hoopos on stamps more than ah, any other bird.
1: very cool See, look, it's a cool-looking bird. What if you're going to stick a bird on a stamp? It's a hoopoe, isn't
0: it? It's going to be a hoopoe.
1: As long as it's not excreting.
0: To be honest, I'd buy that as a first-day cover, even if it
1: was. Yeah, Maybe That's 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 what what helps stick it to the envelope. I don't know.
0: (laughs) Right. Your final bird is a member of the blackbird oriole family, but it's not a European species.
1: Bird number five. Yes, number five is the bobolink. Spotting birds in different countries is always a challenge. I was lucky enough to take part in an artist's residence in Maine. It's actually called Moose Island, but the the town is called Eastport. Yeah, and I did this artist's residence there, so it was great. You got to zoom around and bald eagles, you got whales. I mean, it was pretty idyllic time and i was creating some animations sort of depicting the various wildlife around um and yeah i'd go and visit uh, all the local you know beauty spots and there was this place called reversing falls which was not actually falls but it was it was a place where two tides seemed to meet and it was just it was a really cool thing that happened where it almost looked like the water was going in two different ways anyway it was this cool thing to go and see and on the way back pulled over because there's really it was just nice to look back on this beautiful serene uh, uh, landscape and uh, thought I'd take a few pics and as I got out I heard this interesting call like many of these american birds I wasn't you know I'm not down with all these uh, species uh, each thing is a new completely new thing to me so I heard this weird sort of mechanically bubbly fluid call and I could see this bird and it was sort of was a field like farmland and there was this uh, bird on the top looked a little bit like a african weaver or something like that but um, yeah when i got back home, I actually managed to take a rubbish shot of it. And it was one of those I had to save till later and look up when I got back. But as I was there taking uh, this picture, this dude out of nowhere, so it's quite remote here, wheedles his way along this little lane. And he's like a little... Kurt Cobain wannabe he's like he's about 14 or something like this but I'm thinking aye what, aye what's he what's he gonna say um but uh, you know like most uh bird watchers you sort of try and keep your head down mind your own business but I'll never forget it he just he just came up and he said um what you doing driving around taking photographs sounds like fun although I guess it depends how you define fun and I'll uh, always remember this profound moment where <laughs> I, I just didn't expect that to come out of this little dude's mouth, and um, I shall for always, well, forever call him Bobber Link because it um, was just this weird little dude on his little BMX. Uh, what popped out of his mouth was uh, unexpected, and uh, he's for, forever now called uh, Bobalink.
0: Did you get the opportunity to to show him the bird?
1: No, I got quickly in the car, <laughs> the car <laughs> and drove off because it freaked me out. I mean, I just wasn't expecting that response. And I was like, right, get in the car, we're off. And then I saw him <laughs> zooming over and there was a, a jogger going by and he, he went up to talk to her. And I just thought well, something about, it was a little bit Twin Peaksy or something. It was something just, it, it was obviously some kind of maverick, this young Bobblink character. It is it, a good memory for me.
0: I look forward to seeing him animated one day. Yeah. Um, and the bubbling call, isn't something I was familiar with, so I've I've looked it up online, and we can play a little bit of it now. And to me, that just sounds like R two D two swallowing a skylark and then chasing it down with a chaffinch or something. It, it's 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 quite <laughs> yeah. Crazy. I mean, it,
1: it definitely stopped me in my tracks, and um, because there was nothing. I couldn't see anything there and it's like this really weird fluid mechanical thing that's the great you know the best thing about being somewhere where you're just not familiar with anything that's you know you've been bitten by the bug i guess that you just you just think what the hell's that yeah. and then i just saw this little little dude on the top of this sort of uh, blade of grass and uh, yeah no it, it, they're lovely looking this is a male and it's sort of golden back to his head black face and um they used to be more common they were they're a sort of a farmland bird that I'd just never seen one before. It's great. Yeah,
0: they're stunning little birds, the males as well. Now, the time has come. Will we can avoid it no longer. Which of these five species is your favourite? and your champion to go forwards into the inevitable top Trumpian battle with my mighty Peregrine in the Golden Grenade's best bird-off.
1: <laughs> well, well, it's obviously very hard to choose between these five beauties. I'm sure anyone will find it hard to pick one out of their, their list. It's a very close decision, but uh, I'm going to have to go with Hoopo. Okay, Firstly, just look mega cool. Nothing stands up. Think of that profile, see that in silhouette, nothing beats it. It's some kind of mad, a, a mashup of about five different birds. Plumage-wise, I think, I think I'm think i definitely, surely, ahead at uh, an early stage here, surely.
0: I don't know. Peregrines are pretty stunning birds. They've got the moustache thing. They've got the the slate, grey, blue, sleek back. You know, they're, they're just awesome-looking birds. But, uh, you know, you're right, I, I do love a hoopoe, and they do look awesome. And they're on 43 different country stamps and Mm -hmm. they're in Egyptian tombs. So that's pretty cool. The creations, you know, like, you know. Well, yeah, I mean, I think if we're going to take on habits, then, you know, the peregrine being the ultimate killing machine and speeds and stuff, that's going to take some beating. But if anything's going to beat that, I think it is the world's stinkiest nest
1: I remember you telling me a story, if I can uh, pull on your heartstrings a little bit, I think a little story about some little hooplets, maybe.
0: Oh, yeah. OK. So you're right. It was a holiday a few years ago now where I was staying in a, in a hotel and I stumbled upon a nest. And in that nest, I saw some baby hooplets and they were the, the cutest thing ever. Baby Yoda, cuteness, levels of cuteness. So yeah, you've reminded me of that and that's made this decision even harder. This podcast, as regular listeners will know, the battle element hasn't gone particularly well for the poor peregrine so far. The idea was that I was going to be the judge, jury and executioner in deciding which was the best bird when we came to the final big battle. Because one of the points of this podcast was to prove that all birds are amazing but some birds are just simply more amazing than others. I've
1: been feeling for you. I've I've been feeling for the peregrine, I must admit. I've I've been listening to them all and uh, you've had a bum rap. Mr. Peregrine has not (laughs) had his way. He
0: hasn't had his way at all. And the main reason for this is that everyone else has a really good reason for why their favourite bird means so much to them. And their reasons are usually just as good as my reason for why the peregrine is my favourite bird. I'm getting old, Jerry Springer here now, aren't I? Um, so really, it has been extremely difficult for me to say, no, the peregrine trumps your bird. So I think it's something I'm going to have to think about for series two of this podcast in terms of the format.
1: I mean, if I think about it, in a, if we were to have an actual battle, a peregrine would annihilate a hoopoe in any physical battle. And um, to be honest, I'm going to take one for the team here. I, I, I reckon Peregrine has, has, has got the, uh, the heads up on the hoopoe.
0: Got the edge. I don't believe it. This is episode 10 of Golden Grenades, the final episode of series one.
1: And Hoopo's crest has lowered. It's down. <laughs> the Peregrine is finally victorious. Congratulations. <laughs>
0: Well, thanks very much, Will. Couldn't have kept going on like that. I was actually doing peregrines a disservice by the end. I'll definitely have to think of a better format for Series 2 so the peregrine stands more of a chance. Well, Will, it's been brilliant catching up. Thanks so much for coming on. Um, Can you tell us what you've got planned for 2021?
1: Uh, it's It's been a pleasure. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, I'm doing... I think I'm going to work with yoga with Adrian again on another little short for them. Dougie, again, at some point. Just been working with the guys from Wild East who are looking at rewilding East Anglia. So I've done a bit of animation for them, doing something with Luke and Katie. There'll be more duck episodes, I'm sure, that I'll be uh, going on about. And of course, our little uh, secret little project. will see the light of day, hopefully. Yeah, well, hopefully we'll be able to reveal what that's all about in a few weeks, yeah, yeah. So, uh, you know, anything wildlife based as well, on top of that. Yeah, I'll be keeping my, my eyes peeled <laughs> for uh, any extra uh, wildlife work. I'm always open to any cool project to do with uh, birds or nature.
0: Brilliant. So, there you go. If anybody has any animation or illustration, wildlife needs, get in touch with Will. He's your man. All <laughs> right. Cheers. Massive thanks to Will for coming on the show this week. As Will mentioned in this episode, his parents were a huge influence on him growing up, and particularly his father, in fostering in him a love of wildlife and birds in particular. Sadly, Will's father died at the end of 2020, and Will has asked that this episode be dedicated to him. Well, that's the end of episode 10 of Golden Grenades series 1. I hope you've enjoyed listening to the episode so far. More episodes will be released later in the year, so do look out for that. Until then... Bye for now.